0: This last um, year has been challenging in many ways. because of working from home and some of the lockdowns and other things, there's been a great deal of loneliness in our culture and in our world. And loneliness has been discovered to have even physical effects. In the last 25 years have been a lot of studies done on the overall health of human beings who suffer from isolation and loneliness. And uh, some of the things that have emerged in these studies are that loneliness, severe loneliness, can be as dangerous to your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's quite uh, alarming. It has the same effects as extreme obesity on the human body. And you're 50% more likely to die prematurely if you suffer from loneliness. And there may be some folks here today who feel lonely. As we talk about walking with God in this series called Journey, How to Walk with God, we're looking at various spiritual practices that help us in our Christian walk and our Christian faith. And we're looking at these these 12 that we've identified over the course of these months, and this is week number three. The first week we talked about worship, intentionally engaging in worship of our God. And then in our lives last week, Pastor Brian Howard did a great job talking about reading scripture and what reading scripture can do for us. I had the weekend off, so Leslie and I were here at the nine o'clock service last weekend, and I walked away blessed and encouraged and stretched those muscles a little more and engaging with God's word throughout the week. And now we come to the spiritual practice of community. Community. And we talk about community, we're not talking about the greater Conejo Valley, we're talking about the community of believers, Calvary Community Church, the church you're a part of. If you're not a part of Calvary, the church that's and as we think about this, we realize that in a church our size, we can have these great opportunities to worship together in large settings, but we need to connect with others in smaller settings, in Bible studies, in small groups, in prayer groups, and ministry teams, places where we can know, love, and value each other. People will be able to sense that they are a part of something bigger than themselves, and they won't be caught up in loneliness. Now, if you think about what a spiritual practice is, we've kind of described it this way. It's intentional behaviors, habits, or disciplines that help us walk with God uh, and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. So these are things we intentionally do to cultivate our walk with God to the point that then God can transform us and make us more like Jesus. Go to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, we're gonna look at verses 1 through 12. And we're going to talk today about this practice of community. We're going to talk about the distinction of being a consumer in the community or a contributor in the community. The practice of community is just this, we experience deep, lasting, satisfying joy when we see ourselves within the church family as contributors for the good of others rather than consumers for our own good. I have people who will say to me, you know, I I don't really need a small group. Things are going good in my life. I don't need to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. I really don't need that kind of connection in my life right now. Well, part of being in community and practicing being in the family of God is that even though we're kind of a mismatched family, we come from different backgrounds to different places, we're united in Christ, and we show up for the good of others, not just our own good in relationships where people can be known, loved, and valued. You see, we grow best when we value others the most. We grow healthy as followers of Jesus when we put others ahead of ourselves. That was the emphasis of the Scripture that Pastor Carolyn read at the beginning of the service. We're to be others-oriented, and we're to have a humility, and so we grow best when we value others the most. That means that there are times we simply choose to belong so others can belong. This is a concept I recently read about in my friend Caleb Kaltenbach's new book, Messy Truth. He talks about how how we maintain convictions in community. He mentions that everybody needs to belong. God wired us to be in relationships from the very start. Because of sin, there's a lot of brokenness in relationships. It's easy to get isolated and feel lonely. And that the church of God has to understand community to the point that sometimes we belong in a group or a setting with several brothers and sisters in Christ where we can get to know them purely so others won't be lonely and isolated and can belong. Let's look at Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum. Now, Capernaum, we see that. This is a little town on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And you remember, Bethlehem is where he was born. Nazareth is where he was raised. But he spent his adult years, particularly his ministry years, with Capernaum as his home. He entered Capernaum. The people heard that he had come home. Verse two, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them, the crowds. He's home. We want to hear from him. And they just crowd into this house to the point you can't get in the door. You can't hear anything out the windows. It's overwhelming. Since then we read, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now in that era, the roof would have been flat, it would have been made out of like a thatched uh, grass and and straw, but it would have been packed together with mud, and so they could go up on the roof. There'd be steps up the side to get on the roof. That would be kind of like their porch for uh, the cool of the night. They could communicate to others from other rooftops, and, and these four take this man who is lame, and they carry him up to the roof, and they dig through the mud and the muck and break a hole open big enough to lower the man down, and they lower him in And then we read in verse 5, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Notice he extends forgiveness because of that man's faith, but the faith also of his friends. This is a faith community that brings this man to Jesus. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Anybody can say forgiven, but I'm going to show you that I have the right to forgive by healing this man. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. He couldn't get in the door. But I imagine as he gets up and walks out, the people part like the Red Sea to let him leave. He walks right out. Then we read, This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. And here's a lame man, probably not been able to walk for a very long time, probably been begging at the city streets for years see these gates, excuse me, people probably have walked by, the very people who rushed into this house may have passed him on their way to Jesus, but he has a group of at least four guys, maybe there are a few more, this is a small group that they care about him, and he, he, he belongs because they choose to belong in a group that's going to speak into his life. I want us to see today as we talk about the difference between being a consumer or a contributor in the community and we value and exercise the practice of community together where we belong so others can belong. We add value and love to others by being a part intentionally of community. I want us to understand five things about people who belong so others can belong. Five things about people who belong so others can belong. Number one, people who belong so others can belong take personal responsibility for the spiritual well-being of others. We all know that we're responsible to God for our spiritual well-being, but people who engage in community for the sake of others are are taking on personal responsibility for the spiritual well-being of other people. You see, consumers focus only on getting themselves closer to Jesus, like these crowds did in Mark 2. They want to get themselves to Jesus. And so they miss this man and they miss the opportunity to pour into his life. But contributors focus on getting others closer to him, too. It's not just about getting themselves closer to Jesus, but they want to get other people closer to Jesus, moving deeper in, in their understanding of him, coming to him as Savior, and then they want to help those individuals grow in Christ. Now, before you can ever help someone get closer to Jesus, you have to know Jesus personally yourself. The Scriptures say we're all born not knowing God, apart from God. There's nothing we can do to earn a relationship with God. Uh, That's why God loved us so much. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, to be buried, to be raised for us. And now to have a relationship with God, it comes through faith in Christ. And as we put our faith in Jesus, just like he forgave, forgave this man's sins, he forgives our sins by his grace. And we then have a relationship with God through Jesus. Then we can encourage others to move toward Jesus. Maybe you're here and you haven't even come to that place where you have a personal relationship with God through his son, Right where you are, you can talk to God and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I put my faith in Jesus. And as you do that, he will forgive you and make you his child. And if you have questions about that or you'd like to tell us today's the day you accepted Jesus, we want to celebrate that. I I mentioned I'll be out on the patio. We'll have care team members down front after the service. But if you're joining us online or in person, you can also just take the name Jesus and text it to the number on the screen. If you just text in the body of the text Jesus, that name, Then you'll get some resources to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, and someone on our team will follow up to celebrate with you if you've recently or today accepted Christ, or if you have questions, we'll be able to help you. We want to make sure that people know Jesus, because if people know Jesus, then we can be a part of a healthy, vibrant community where we're helping each other grow and thrive and flourish in life. You see, people who belong so others can belong take personal responsibility for the spiritual well-being of others. Secondly, people who belong so others can belong choose to engage with others knowing it can get messy. They understand it can get messy. They understand it can get nasty. When these guys are digging the hole in the roof, their nails are getting muddy. There are bugs and critters that live in this Uh, six to eight inch muck uh, thatched roof kind of setup And, and so as they're breaking through they're getting sweaty and they're dropping dirt down on those below this is a pretty messy complicated uncomfortable situation but they choose to belong in this man's life and to allow him to belong in their lives understanding it can get messy consumers avoid relationships that complicate their lives People say, what can I get out of this? We'll say, why would I join a small group? I don't need anything right now. Consumers have the idea that, you know, I tried that before. I've been in a ministry team, was working with some folks, and there was this odd character, and then this lady who would say stuff, and then there was this person to that, and this guy to that, and and it gets too complicated and messy. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. We're an uncompatible group of people who come from various walks of life and various backgrounds but our one thing is we're united in Jesus. And our focus is on Jesus. You see, contributors pursue relationships even if they offer more risk than reward. Contributors say, This is risky, this is gonna get messy, it's gonna get complicated, but I'm gonna lean in. Now think about the 12 people Jesus gathered around himself, the disciples. In the list of disciples, as you're reading the list, you hear a number of names that are very familiar, and then you'll read Matthew the tax collector, Simon the zealot. They're two of the 12. And in that day, those names being read like that, the tax collector, the zealot, those were the most extreme political voices in Judaism and in Israel in that day. It would be like today naming someone saying, oh yeah, and he's a member of QAnon. And naming someone saying, oh yeah, he's a member of Antifa. And Jesus said, you're going to be in this group with me. I'm going to disciple you. This is going to be about you following me, you having my mind and my heart, and I'm going to disciple you to go with the love of God and to bring the hope of God to others. And you guys have a lot of disagreements and you come from various perspectives. And then the night before he's crucified, as he gathers these 12, including those two extremists in the group, he says to them, I'm going to be leaving you, but, but the world will know you're my disciples. You will be salt and light. How? By your love for each other. And these guys are looking at you, wait a minute, I'm in this for you, Jesus, not for that guy, not for him. I don't want him in this group. He doesn't fit my view, my ideology. Jesus says, I'm here to redeem everyone. To bring hope and healing to everyone. And so, this call of Jesus in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That is the call on us. It's how we love each other during difficult, controversial times of conflict and polarization. We need to be consumers. Or, excuse me, not consumers. It's the whole point of the message. Not consumers. This is the third time. You think I'd get it down by now. We need to be contributors who pursue relationships even if they offer more risk than reward. Someone shared with me this week a message that was preached at Saddleback Church in Orange County uh, just in the last couple of weeks. Rick Warren was out, and a man named Ed Stetzer, who I've read a number of his books, many of you may have as well, I've, I've suggested some of his books. Ed Stetzer was speaking, and he was speaking about the way in which we're being pulled apart in the church, and how we're no longer uniting around Jesus and what we believe, but around some other stuff. And he actually was teaching from Philippians chapter two, and he's dealing with verses one and two of Philippians two that Carolyn read at the beginning of the service. And I want you to watch this video and just hear what he's saying about how there are things trying to pull us apart when Jesus said, "The know, you are my disciples by how, by how you have love and community and unity together." Watch this video.
1: The focus of unity is the mind of Christ. And Paul actually gives us four expressions of that, four phrases to focus on unity. Well, boy, isn't that hard now? I mean, it's just hard. People are divided in culture, and it's seeping into churches. And we actually see this in our research, right? I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. We have a research institute. We're partnering together with others to do the COVID church attendance tracking project. One of the questions we're asking is, why are people switching churches? And our early indications indicate that people are switching churches at an unprecedented level today. We call it the great sort in a forthcoming article. People are sorting themselves into churches that may be more aligned with them ideologically, where in the past they were more focused on churches that align with them theologically. They wanna be among people who are more compatible than them they're being uh challenged and being a part of churches where people might disagree have different ideas where pastors might have articulated something they didn't appreciate they didn't like and so even even if they've been together for a decade this has been a season 2020 and 2021 of the great sort now this shouldn't surprise us because people today are increasingly being discipled by their cable news choices They're being spiritually shaped by their social media feeds. And then they come to church and they want to hear something that aligns with their discipleship of their ideology, not their theology. The Great Short is showing up in our data with reports showing that 30% of people coming into a new church were changing churches because of the last church's approach to dealing with COVID. Just COVID, we, you can see on the screen, the data is here. We have, if you look at the lower right, the red is people are switching churches because they didn't like how the last church responded to COVID. And here's the thing I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss this, right? These are often people who have been shepherded and discipled by godly pastors for 10, 20 years, but because of something that the pastor said or did in 2020 or 2021, not just COVID, we had other options. They said, I'm now going to change churches, not because of our theology, but because of something else that's discipling them. Let's look at the biblical prescription to this pandemic of division. It's also four things. The words of the outline are the words of the text, right? So let's go through them, right? You won't see the text on the screen, the outline is the text. It says in verse two, complete my joy by being of the same mind. There it is, being of the same mind. Literally, continually being of the same mind. All these have a continuing aspect. It's about having the same values and the same loves. We can have that in divided times. The church at Philippi experienced division. We don't know all the details, but the church at Corinth experienced division. They had a lot of disagreement. At Philippi, it might've been about their special citizenship status as a special Roman city. Some might say, well, let's take advantage of that. they say, maybe we shouldn't, or maybe it was the Jewish Gentile question that was dividing many churches in the early church. At Corinth, there was even more division. So Paul writes a letter to them and he says this. Don't miss what Paul writes to a church experiencing division. He says, I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That all of you agree. Well, wait a second. Didn't you just say that we don't have to agree on everything? Listen to what he says. That all of you agree there be no divisions among you. That you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. The same mind. Over and over again, we hear the mind. The mind of Christ. The same mind. Right? So it begins with being of the same mind. That doesn't agree. Having uniformity on every opinion, but being united on the mind of Christ. Being of the same mind. Then having the same love literally continually having that same love and one of the passages that might speak to this is a great passage in first corinthians right we're familiar with first corinthians if you've ever been to a wedding somebody probably read something from first corinthians here's what it says it says love is patient and kind now here's the thing i want you not to miss this is not a wedding passage this is a church unity passage love is patient and kind love does not envy and boast it is not arrogant or rude love does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful well there you go there's facebook gone right there (laughs) it does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth love bears all things and isn't that what some we've had to do in 2020 and 2021 where we had to bear disagreements and maybe hurts. Well, that's not the way I would have said it. I, that's not what I think. But love bears all things, believes all things, but believes the best, uh, hopes all things, endures all things. Walking through the passage, right? We're seeing being the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord. It actually comes from a combination of two words, with and soul. We might say one-souled, one-souled. Believers should be spiritual soulmates, even though they might disagree on some issues in culture. Again, it's not about their ideology, but their theology lived out in unity. We can be one-souled at Saddleback and at every church with all of our campuses and all of our small groups if we understand biblical community compels us to pursue gospel unity. But we have to pursue it and work at it. See, this is really key because there's all kinds of forces trying to drive us apart right i want you to think about your smart device your smartphone because you open it up and you go to whatever social media you want to look to and having gone to the social media you want to look to you can begin to scroll and as you scroll can i just point out to you it's a never-ending eternal scroll there are 10,000 people on the other side of this device whose job is to keep your eyeballs here because that's how they make money marketers need your eyeballs, and so what they know is their algorithms actually prioritize content that gets you upset, that actually gets you mad because you'll come back and say, I don't like that. Like. Which is sort of an odd thing. And so the end result is, is that we get drawn in. There are substantial forces. Those cable news pundits are there to get you riled up because then you'll keep watching and watch the advertisers. So there's people making billions of dollars causing you and me to get riled up, to get enraged and outraged. And the end result is it actually seeps from the world into the church and being in fully accord is harder in 2020 and 2021 than it was in 2019. And you know it and I know it. We see it and we feel it. We have to work at it. Which leads to the last thing here that paul addresses end of one mind we're just looking at the text right end of one mind now it's interesting because it says have the same mind and be of one mind literally literally it means to continue to set your mind on the same purpose you say ed how can we be united with people who may be incompatible here's why when what unites us is the biblical purposes of the church our mission is driven, our vision is driven by the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, and it unites our church across campuses and small groups and around the world. We're gonna to have to make some choices based on the eternal or the temporal. And let me just say it this way. If cable news or, or Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever you're streaming, if cable news is keeping you from unity with your sisters and brothers in Christ, turn it off, unplug it, unsubscribe from it, and prioritize your church over cable. If it's keeping you out of community, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, if it's keeping you out of community with the church you love, in gospel unity with fellow believers, it's not of God. And listen, I want you not to miss this. They're no longer just informing you, they're transforming you. They're literally discipling you. I've taught and done research on discipleship for decades. I know what it looks like, and this is what is happening. And I'm seeing all around the country and the world, pastors becoming bad guys while pundits are the good guys. If that's what we're coming out of, we're not being shaped in the, God, in the way God wants us to be shaped. And listen, you don't have to agree with your church or your pastors on everything. I want you to miss that, right? Disagreeing with me or your pastor is not the same as disagreeing with God. But maintaining unity in the midst of division is based on the mind of Christ. And we can lose that and need to focus on it again. Understanding biblical community compels us to pursue gospel unity. I loved I loved
0: that clip so much, and we sought uh, the permission of Saddleback Church and Ed Stetzer, and they gave us permission to play that clip. Uh, you can go back and watch this in the sermon online. I think it's so true that there are forces, and Satan is one of those outside forces trying to pull the church apart, because Jesus said, when you love each other in this incompatible family, as the world would see it, when you love each other and you have the mind of Christ, there is something that the world sees that is so different than all the other polarization that's going on. And I want to encourage you, you know, Ephesians 4.3 says that we're to fight for and pursue the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. It's something we're to strive for. It's messy, it's difficult, it's challenging but it's what it means to be in community, to belong so others can belong. Are you choosing to engage with others knowing it can get messy? Are you taking personal responsibility for the spiritual well-being of others? Thirdly, people who belong so others belong leverage all that they have and are for God's work in other people. They use all of their resources, who they are, the experience they've had, the spiritual gifts God's given them, their natural abilities, and all that they have in their financial and personal resources, they, they leverage it for God's work in other people. Consumers settle for seeing a part of what God is doing in the lives of others. The ones who rushed into the house and maybe stepped on and passed by this lame man, uh, they, they want to see a part of what God's doing. But contributors invest in being a part of what God is doing in others contributors say, what can I do to make a difference? How can I help? What do I need to do? How can I use my time? How can I use my gifts? How can I use my experiences? How can I use how God has ministered to me and helped me to make a difference in the lives of these in this smaller community of this small group or Bible study or prayer group or ministry team, this group of brothers and sisters in Christ. Andy and Susan Robinson Up, launch a new small group just a couple years ago, and this was a group of people who didn't really know each other at all, and and they joined into this group, and things began to gel a little bit, and this summer when uh, someone in their group, one family in the group, was moving to a new house, Um, unbeknownst to the family, the others in the small group showed up on moving day, to help move boxes and pack things and helped get them to the next place. They even found some fun in this, found some angel wings and, and they had a little bit of fun with that. And then uh, last Sunday, the small group gathered down on the beach for our beach baptisms because somebody in their group was going to be baptized. And after they saw the baptisms of some in their group and they celebrated that, there were a couple in the group who said, you know what, I need to be baptized. And they got baptized out there. Praise God. Matter of fact, we had 37 people baptized at the beach last weekend, all different ages. And then we had, yeah, And then we had 13 high schoolers baptized here on our property later that night, and they'd returned from camp, and God had been working in their lives. God is at work, and we who want to be contributors to the body of Christ and to what God is doing, we choose to invest in other people. We want to be a part of what God's doing, not just see what God's doing. They leverage all they have and are for God's work and other people. Fourthly, people who belong so others can belong prioritize the needs of others above their own. That's the whole point of that Philippians 2 passage that Ed was reading from, verse 2. And that Carolyn read earlier, it talks about how God the Son left heaven's glory and humbled himself and came to meet our needs and how we need to have that same mindset with each other that we're here to serve one another in humility. We put the needs of other people above our own, and if I put your needs above mine and you put mine above yours and we're in community, then needs are being met as we minister to one another and pour into each other. Consumers complain if their needs aren't satisfied first. You know, when we're little toddlers or we first learn to speak, it's me, 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 mine, 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 mine. As we get older, it just gets more sophisticated. (laughs) We know not to say me, 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 or mine, 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 but we often say my needs have to come first. But in Christ's kingdom, one of the spiritual practices that needs to be true of the followers of Jesus Christ is just like Jesus, we put the needs of others first. We prioritize them. You see, consumers complain if their needs aren't satisfied first, but contributors celebrate when the needs of others are met before their own. Praise God, we helped this person. We were able to help them. We we came alongside them when there was a loss in their family. We showed up at that memorial. We helped them move. We were there to celebrate those moments in their family's life. We were there for each other. Are you prioritizing the needs of others above your own? engaging in the practice of community with other brothers and sisters in Christ can help you prioritize the needs of others above yourself. Fifth and finally, people who belong so others can belong notice people others overlook. They notice people others overlook. I don't know how many people rushed past this guy, stepped on his mat, maybe stepped on him on the way to crowd the house to hear Jesus preach. But there were at least four guys who were part of this group who said, He needs us. And they belonged to this group who would carry him up to the roof and drop him down and and be a part of that disruption and get messy and get complicated. They were a part of this because they noticed somebody other people overlooked. There are lonely people in this world It's easy to overlook people around us. It's easy to overlook other brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need. Consumers pass people in need on their way to Jesus. Consumers often rush forward in their spiritual life and they don't even know the people right there in their path. Jesus never saw people as obstacles in his journey. They were always a part of his journey and people need to be a part of our journey We can't pass people in need. And by being in a small group or a Bible study where you can be with other people or have a circle of Christian friends that you can pour into their life and they can pour into yours, is a way then to even notice people beyond that circle. Contributors can't get past people who need Jesus. Contributors who are pouring into others, they, they, they can't ignore needs. They've got to slow down and stop. They've got to find a way to get them to Jesus. They've got to find a way for that person to belong and not feel isolated and lonely. Are you noticing people others overlook? People who belong so others can belong take personal responsibility for the spiritual well-being of others. Are you doing that? They choose to engage with others knowing it can get messy. Are you doing that? They leverage all they have and are for God's work and other people. Are you doing that? They prioritize the needs of others above their own. Are you doing that? They notice people others overlook. Are you doing that? See, one thing we know in the way God has wired us and even in the research regarding loneliness is everyone needs someone. Everyone needs someone. Whose someone are you? Who are you engaging with? Who are the brothers and sisters in Christ? You're there loving them, even though you disagree with them on stuff, even though you come from a different background or different experiences. Who are the ones you are loving and pouring your life into that's this this practice of community and when we practice that we have a lasting deep satisfying joy because we see ourselves in the family of god not as consumers for our own good but as contributors for the good of others just a couple of years ago bob and debbie brooks started a new small group Again, this was a group of people who had nothing else in common. They were different stages of life and going through different things and different challenges. And this group kind of came together. And in that group was a man named Steve who had uh, worked to find different places to connect at Calvary and never really settled in, got in this group. And things began to go well in that group as people loved on him and he loved on others. And he felt comfortable inviting his girlfriend, Jen, into that and And then that group walked through the death of Steve's mother, and they were with him through that. And then Steve and Jen uh, decided they were going to get engaged. And it was the small group that celebrated that. And they asked Bob, the small group leader, to officiate the wedding. And uh, he said yes. And then he and Debbie said, well, what about having the wedding here at our house? And so then they had the wedding at their house, and not only family and friends gathered, but their small group was there on that special day as they were growing in Christ. These folks were investing in them. And I'm not telling you if you join a small group, you're guaranteed to get married. I'm not telling you you'll officiate a wedding if you become a small group leader. I'm not saying your home will be a new wedding chapel. But when we engage in each other's lives and we, we set aside all the things that Satan would use to divide us and we focus on Christ and loving one another with a Christ-like love, there is a light and a salt that affects the world around us because they say, how can that be? And that's what happened when those 12 disciples went out. People looked at that group and said, how are those guys so united in their love for each other and their love for Jesus? And say, well, what do I do now? Okay, I see it. I'm I'm leaning back. I've been more of a consumer than a contributor. Well, let me give you a few next steps here. Number one, join a small group. If you're joining us online, you say, well, I'm not able to connect right now with people in person just because of certain things going on and uh, certain concerns I have. We have some online ways you can connect, And, and Carolyn mentioned that. You can join a small group. You can go to our website and and join a small group. Secondly, you can have a conversation about connecting. Our pastors and ministry team leaders are ready to have a conversation with you. If you say, you know what, I've got a small group, but I'd like to be in a ministry team with some folks. Or maybe you say, I think the place for me is a prayer group. God's called me to prayer. We've got different ways in which we can help you connect. We'll have a conversation about that. If you find yourself lonely and you're hearing this message, you say, I'm lonely and I need some people in my life. Call us, have a conversation with us so we can help you. Thirdly, pick a friend or two for the journey. Maybe you say, this is really a hard time to join a group or do this, or the ministry team I was on is kind of suspended because we're not able to do that kind of ministry right now. Well, then look for two or three brothers and sisters in Christ who will be in the journey with you, because this is a value. It's not about a program. It's about a value we hold, and we, we have these values in various programs and opportunities. We want to help you with that, but maybe you just need to pick two or three people who you're going to journey forward with, and you're going to pour into their lives as they pour into yours. You can find these three steps and how you can sign up for a small group, how you can connect with us and some instructions on how you can pick a few friends for the journey at calvarywestlake.org walk. calvarywestlake.org walk. You can find these next steps. You can reach out. We as a body don't want anybody to be lonely, but we find our greatest satisfaction deepest joy when we are investing in others. We're contributing to them in their journey with Jesus, not just that we're taking from and consuming ourselves and for our own good. Are you practicing the spiritual discipline or habit or behavior of community? Maybe you've fallen out of practice here in the last year and a half. It's time to lean in. It's time to lean in. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the example of Christ, even how he put that group together with such diversity and really that could be just a group that would fight all the time, but the focus was on his mission and his mandate that he gave to them, to go and be salt and light, and the way that people will know we're your genuine followers is how we love each other when it isn't easy. Lord, there are a lot of reasons why in the last year it's been difficult to always love a brother or sister in Christ. Help us to focus on Jesus. Lord, help me to understand the importance of being being a contributor, not just a consumer. Help us all think about that. Help us to grow in our walk with you, even in this area of investing in other people other brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray this, that the world around us here in the greater Canaro Valley, and in this state, in this country, and around the world would see Jesus through the people who are known as Calvary Community Church. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? Would you stand? Ed, in the clip, mentioned 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Oh, that we would live out this passage. You hear it at weddings, as you said, but it's actually meant for church unity. I want to ask you to read out loud with me. The words will be on the screen, so you can we'll, we'll read this in unison together. Just read it out loud. We're going to read these verses, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Let it just settle into your heart, and then let this kind of love flow out of your life. As we seek to be light and salt in this world, Part of that is how we love each other, how we pursue relationships together that will help one another be stronger in Jesus and in life. Let's read this out loud together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails.